Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, August 5th, 2019, from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, the Red Sox season is over. That's right, I'm saying it. It's over. They got swept by the Yankees in the Bronx over the weekend, a four-game sweep. And it was just an embarrassing display. We talked about this 14-game stretch and what the Red Sox needed to do with the trade deadline, especially right in the middle of that 14-game stretch. I reacted to what the Red Sox didn't do at the trade deadline last week. But uh, today, I am going to react to what this has looked like since the trade deadline and what it looked like in the Bronx over the weekend. And that was just an embarrassing display by the Boston Red Sox. I'll react to it all, and I'll tell you who we should be blaming. Plus, Tom Brady has a new contract, but will others in the media actually let us enjoy this news? It doesn't look like it. I will tell you why, Uh, but congratulations to Tom Brady on a new contract, and also happy birthday. Tom Brady turned 42 over the weekend. And uh, also, in the football world, if you didn't think... The Bill Belichick brainwash was real. Then you have not heard Ed Reed's speech at the Pro Football Hall of Fame ceremony this past Saturday night in Canton. Uh, It is a beauty. I have the audio for you. I'm going to play it. But Ed Reed, he, he does something that if you're a Ravens fan, you hate this. If you're a Patriots fan, this is must listen to stuff. I'll play that audio from Ed Reed from his speech as he's being enshrined into the Hall of Fame this past Saturday night. And I'll close out the show with a few thoughts on some NBA news, including the date in which we now know Kyrie Irving will be returning to the TD Garden as a member of the Brooklyn Nets. I'll tell you how I actually think you should react to this, but we know the date. I'll give you that date, and I'll react to it all today. Presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK, P-I-C. And football is almost here, so sign up right now for the week one slate, which is just a month away. A month from now, we will be all in on the NFL season, right? Just a month away. And when I look at my DraftKings app for the week one lineup that I could put together, what I see is that Ezekiel Elliott is the most expensive player for the week one afternoon Sunday slate. And he is going to cost you 9200 bucks. You might think that's high because he's not even at training camp. As I'm recording this on Monday, August 5th, he's holding out for a new contract. So will he even be playing in this game? Well, right now, the assumption is that he'll be there. And according to the DraftKings app, he's going to cost you 9200 But you should download the DraftKings app right now. And you should sign up using promo code PICKPIC because that's where you can play for free in the $2 million play action contest. $2 million in total prizes with $200,000 going to first place. And again, play for free in that contest by signing up using promo code PICKPIC. That's promo code PICKPIC at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show on this Monday, August 5th as... We get close to the football. The Patriots are in Detroit this week. They're in Detroit right now. They're participating in joint practices with the Lions uh, in preparation for their first preseason game, which is this Thursday, uh, this Thursday night, August 8th at 7.30, if you're into early preseason games, which I'm not really... I don't I don't have to watch the first preseason game. I'll probably watch the first couple possessions, and then maybe that's about it. But uh, so we got football, Patriots and joint practices, first preseason game later this week on Thursday night. Also later this week, I just want to give you a little programming note. Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated will join me in studio as he always does before the major WWE pay-per-views. And we have one coming this Sunday. It's SummerSlam on August 11th. And uh, that's one of the four majors, the four major pay-per-views. You get Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. At least that's what I still consider to be the four major pay-per-views in the WWE. And it's a tradition unlike any other, to steal a phrase from Jim Nance at the Masters. 
Uh, but in the wrestling podcast world, I like to consider this a tradition unlike any other one. Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated joins me in studio to preview SummerSlam and to talk about everything in the world of pro wrestling. That will be later this week. But right now, we got to talk about the Red Sox to open the show. Because we looked at this 14-game stretch against Tampa Bay, then against the Yankees, then against Tampa Bay again, and then against the Yankees again. And with the trade deadline right in the middle of that 14-game stretch, and we looked at it and said, this is the most important, crucial stretch of the season, not just to this point, but just really in general. We we will look back at this 14-game stretch. At the end of September, we're going to look back at the 14-game stretch and say, well, that's when the Red Sox made their mark. That's when they either made their mark and made a playoff push and made a statement to the rest of the American League in the wild card race and said, we're in this, we're the defending champs, and we are going to be back in the postseason defending our championship in October. Either they were going to make that statement or they were going to turn into a puddle and fold up shop and say, you know what, we won it last year, we don't have it this year, and that's it. We're going to crumble, and there'll be no postseason this year. Well, you, we, we can't put that much stock into this 14-game stretch and then see the Red Sox go five and nine in that 14 game stretch and say they're still alive because they're not still alive. The Red Sox go, that's right, five and nine in this 14 game stretch and they close out the 14 game stretch losing eight straight. They lose eight straight. They get swept by the Yankees and the Bronx, a four game sweep. And you look at the wild card standings today on this Monday, August 5th, before the Red Sox begin a series against who they got? Kansas City, I think, moving forward here at the, the next series. Well, it's over. The Red Sox are six and a half games out of the second wild card spot behind Tampa Bay. Oakland's in front of the Red Sox. Oakland's a half game behind Tampa Bay. Cleveland's got the top wild card spot. Don't even look at the ALE standings, they'll make you sick. Just look at the wild card, and even the wild card standings make you sick. The Red Sox, six and a half games out. And. Uh, A day after the trade deadline, last Thursday, I got on this show, on this podcast, and I told you I was upset with the way Dave Dombrowski handled business. I was upset with the way Dave Dombrowski did absolutely nothing. I told you the mindset, his mindset was confusing to me. It was just confusing. I didn't get it. They were only two, two and a half, I think, right, two and a half games out of the wildcard spot, the second wildcard at that point. And I just looked at it and said, you didn't have to, it's not like you had to sell major league pieces. You just had to trade a prospect to two, maybe even just average prospects, just to get an average reliever, if for nothing else, to create some type of competition, right? I mean, you, you found out Aaron Sanchez was available and, and he goes to Houston along with Zach Granke and you're like, well, you know, why couldn't you make that move for the Red Sox? I mean, anything, right? Just to add a, add a pitcher to this staff, because obviously they needed it. But we a lot of the talk was with the bullpen. And Dave Dombrowski, you know, you heard the heard the criticisms. And, and, and I was one of the people criticizing him because, like I told you, on Thursday, his mindset was confusing. I, I thought it was... I thought it was a tough look for him to do nothing as the defending champs with two months of, of baseball left to play. And you're in... You're right smack dab in the middle of a wildcard race. I said, I don't know how you do absolutely nothing. Well, when he does nothing, some people try to say that this would affect this Red Sox team negatively where the Red Sox, you know, to a man would, would look around that clubhouse and say, wow, our organization doesn't believe in us. We're the defending champs. They don't, they don't believe it. He, Dombrowski doesn't believe in us. They're not going to add anything. They're not going to help us out a little bit. And every other people are adding pieces. Houston, a team... We're going to have to compete with. Uh, if, if we want to defend the, the championship, you know, they're adding players at the deadline and we do nothing. You know, there was a theory floating around out there in this town from some people who know what they're talking about that say this could affect, you know, the fact that Dabrowski did nothing could affect the Red Sox in a negative way in which they would be upset with Dombrowski and they would feel like, Dombrowski gave up on them. And I guess I can understand. I guess I can understand that conversation. You want to have that conversation with me? We can have that conversation. But 
the way I look at th- you can look at that one of two ways. You can look at it as if the Red Sox players could say, wow, you know, now we're going to be down in the dumps. You know, they, he gave up on us. Um, or, or you could look at it in the sense to say, well, Dombrowski just be- maybe believes in this team still. And he didn't want to trade a piece from the Major League Club, which is what some other teams were asking them to do for a closer in Diaz. They wanted either Jackie Bradley or Ben Attendee. You know, you see those rumors out there, and Dombrowski refuses to part ways with, with either of those two guys to make that deal. And and maybe Syndergaard was involved in, in that conversation as well, or Zach Wheeler, but the Red Sox were not going to part ways with Major League talent. And for closer, I don't blame them. For closer, I do not blame them. I really don't. Um, but let's say the Red Sox didn't take that as a, wow, Dombrowski believes in us. And let's say they did take it the way some people floated the theory out, which is, ah, wow, he gave up on us, huh? Dombrowski gave up on us. Let's say they took it like that. You know, at some point when you're in the Bronx in a four-game series, where you're still alive in the wild card, even if you are pissed off at your GM or your president of baseball operations for not going out and adding a piece to help you, it's not as if he sold, it's not as if he became a seller. It's not as if the Red Sox started selling pieces off. Then that's really given up on the team, right? Like, it's really given up on the team if Dombrowski sends Matt Bonds to Cleveland for a prospect, right? And, and and not to say that Matt Bonds was this coveted piece, but we did hear Dave Dombrowski come out and say, well, you'd be surprised at how many people were calling us about our relievers. Teams thought the Red Sox maybe would sell some pieces. In fairness to Dombrowski, he didn't sell from the Major League Club. So since he didn't sell from the Major League Club, I do not want to hear a word out of anybody in that Red Sox organization, a player, a manager, a bench coach, I don't want to hear a word, a peep out of anybody in that organization that Dombrowski gave up on the team. And if you actually want to feel like that, maybe to a man and deep down inside you go home and, you know, you're, you're upset the, the day or two after the deadline that your, your, your president of baseball operations didn't add a piece. Well, you know what? Why don't you use that as fuel to your fire, go into the Bronx and maybe try to prove them wrong and say, hey, you know what? You should have added a piece because here we are. We're back in the wild card hunt and we're going to make it back to the playoffs and we're going to show you you should have added a piece. Like that should be the mindset. Don't go out there, you know, pitching and moaning and, and, and sucking up the joint because the, the, the Red Sox sucked in the Bronx. It was tough to watch. I tweeted out the other day. It was tough to watch. And you can talk about Dombrowski and what he didn't do and and the bullpen and all that. But the bottom line is this. The biggest reason the Red Sox, the season is now over. The biggest reason. It's on the players and it's on their best players. And their best players, the two guys that the Red Sox needed most to stay alive, stay in the hunt, keep us somewhat positive in this town with this baseball team. The two players that the Red Sox needed the most sucked more than anyone, especially in the biggest stretch, 14-game crucial stretch of the season. David Price and Chris Sale, horrible. And you saw it on Sunday Night Baseball. David Price, I mean, I'll give credit where credit's due. He goes on the paternity leave list and, you know, he has a... He has a child, and I'm not going to crush him for leaving the team for that. And in fact, even if he missed the start on Sunday, I would have a tough time going after David Price. I would. I know you'd get some people that would go after him, but I think he probably felt some pressure to pitch in this game, right? I, I, I think he's by pitching in this game on Sunday, he's acknowledging that. If he missed it, I wasn't going to crush him because, you know, I, I don't know whatever situation they're in. You know, you, you, you hope and pray for a healthy baby, but, you know, sometimes you, I don't, I don't know. You never know. I mean, you, I have a tough time criticizing a guy for missing some time, especially immediately with that. I mean, it's one thing if he said, Hey, I'm going to take two weeks off. Well, that's a different story, but it was just a couple days. So if he missed Sunday night, I was not going to crush David Price. He makes the start. So credit to press. He did make the start on Sunday night, but he sucked. He was horrible. And if you're going to come out and make this start and you know, you, you, you want to maybe try to put the team on your back and say, I'm going to save us from being swept in the Bronx. It's got to be better than that. And certainly if you're the manager 
and you just leave David Price out there, as he obviously does not have anything better than bat and practice stuff, then, I mean, imagine if John Farrell was the manager in that situation last night. They would be calling for, the, for his job today. They would be calling for John Farrell's job. And does that mean Alex Cora is getting off a little easy? Well, considering the type of criticism that John Farrell and the type of heat that John Farrell took, yeah, maybe he is. Now, I try to explain during all the John Farrell stuff and all the heat he was taking that it's, you know, the managers get too much, they they get too much of the blame. And so if we did come down hot on Alex Cora today, I think I would say he's getting too much of the blame. But certainly deserves to be criticized. I, I thought he left David Price out there way too long on Sunday night. But the bottom line is this. It comes down to the players. It comes down to the Red Sox two best players, Chris Sale, David Price. They have been bad. They have been horrible. And really in this eight-game losing skid, I mean, you go back to when the Red Sox were about to sweep the Yankees. When the Red Sox are about to sweep the Yankees at Fenway. And then it was Chris Sale's start. And he was no good. And then they rolled through again. And no good. Chris Sale on Saturday afternoon. And an awful look for Chris Sale. Blaming the home plate umpire for, for him being terrible. Now, was the home plate umpire good on Saturday? No, home plate, um, home plate umpire was brutal on Saturday, and you knew it was going to be a brutal game that he called based on the first inning on Saturday afternoon, the first game of that day-night doubleheader, when, when he, struck, he punched out J.D. Martinez in the, in the top of the first with a pitch that almost, it almost skimmed the dirt, for crying out loud. And he, it was low and away, it almost hit the dirt, and he punched him out. You knew it was going to be a, a, a tough game for the umpire there. He was going to have a tough one. And he did. And there were a couple pitches that Chris Sale, it should have been called strikes, and he and he should have got out of some jams. But Chris Sale is the type of pitcher that we're used to seeing, maybe not even talking about that because, all right, you don't get a call or two, right, in a big spot. Chris Sale still, what we're used to seeing him have is the stuff to still be able to put away someone after that. Like, he wasn't getting the call. Fine. There's a difference between not getting a call and, and and then getting a guy out and then not getting a call and then letting up a home run ball. I mean, Sale could still couldn't bail himself out. And it's a problem. It's a problem. He's throwing a lot of off speed. You have to go back to the, the end of last year where he had no velocity on his fastball. You know, we know how he closed it out. I get it. But you can't tell me that there weren't major concerns with Sales' health towards the end of the season and even into the postseason. There were. And I have some now. And I'm just, I keep wondering if we're going to get some type of IL stint for Sale, injured list stint, coming up here soon because it just hasn't looked good. And I thought it was a terrible look. It didn't look good at all for Chris Sale to be blaming that on a home plate umpire. You still should be able to get the, all right, you don't get a call. All right. You're Chris Sale. You are Chris fucking Sale. Get in, You should still be getting the out. Still get the out. You know, the home plate umpire didn't throw a home run ball after that. You did. So I thought it was a tough look. Tough look. And it's been, you know, the Red Sox starting pitching. It doesn't matter who they rolled out. Porcello at the end of that Tampa Bay series sucked. Kashner sucked. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez Probably the best of the bunch, but he let up a grand slam on Friday night in the first inning. You know, he's better after that, but I mean, you can't let up the grand slam in the first inning in the Bronx in the first of a four-game series. You can't do it. And then at any point, if you've got to go to, you're telling me you got to rely on Brian Johnson. I mean, come on now. So the Red Sox sucked in the Bronx. They lose eight straight. The season is over. They are six and a half games out. And if you want to point the finger today, if you want to blame anyone, I am not blaming Dombrowski because I don't want to hear it that this Red Sox team, oh, they they felt like the GM gave up on them. Oh, stop crying about it and go do something. You still got a lot of baseball left to play. But, you know, your two top dogs and Chris Sale and David Price, if those guys pitch the way they've pitched their last couple starts and they continue to pitch like that for however long, you know, year after year, then the Red Sox are not even going to come close to getting back in the playoffs. 
You need those two guys to be dominant. And if they're not even average, and they haven't even been average, then there's going to be a major problem. I don't care what Dave Dombrowski went out and acquired. So it's sale, it's price, they sucked, and they are the two guys that we should be blaming right now for what was a 5-9, and 14-game crucial stretch. 5-9. and nine. Man, I didn't think that was, especially the way this 14-game stretch started. The way it started, I mean, you know, it, it looked it looked good. You get, you know, two games out, Dombrowski, and, and I get it. Not making a move there was confusing to me and, and maybe even confusing to some players in that clubhouse. But if, if they're that soft mentally where a non-move ruined their season, then then they didn't deserve to be going to the playoffs anyways, right? They didn't deserve to be going to the playoffs anyways. You can't, you can't tell me they should, they're that soft. That, that Dombrowski doing not. I could see if he sent, I could see if he traded Jackie Bradley Jr. for two prospects, right? And then you gotta, you're throwing J.D. Martinez in right field and, and balls are going, you know, he's playing terrible defense. and um, Or I could see if, I could see if they traded a couple relievers away, right? Yeah, I could see maybe, you know, they look at a contract they gave and they're like, eh, and they trade Nathan Ovaldi somewhere. Like, that's given up on the team. Then I think you have a better argument. But not a non-move? As much as I disagree with making no moves, if you're the Red Sox, it shouldn't affect the players that much where they're like so down in the dumps that they can't win a fucking game in the Bronx with the season on the line with their two best pitchers going in this series. It's a joke. It was embarrassing. They, Chris Sale, that was embarrassing. Yelling at the ump, walking off the mound. I'm sorry. It was embarrassing. You are the one that threw the home run balls. You are the one that, even after not getting calls, couldn't get the swing and didn't have the swing and miss stuff that you usually have, or at least that we saw you have. You know, a couple times this season. You know, I know he's creeping up on 200 strikeouts, but I mean. You know, he's had a couple 10-plus strikeout games smack dab in the middle of the season. But, I mean, for the most part, sale and price have not been sale and price, and that's their biggest issue. That's their biggest issue. When your top two usually dominant starting pitchers who are getting paid the big money are anything but dominant, you are going to struggle in this league and maybe not even have a shot. Maybe not even have a shot. So, embarrassing look by Sale to be blaming on the umps. And then on Sunday night, I know there's other stuff going on in David Price's life, but you know what? You're on the mound. You're taking the ball. It's a big spot. And even before that start, David Price, uh, you know, the previous start against Tampa Bay, that was that was no good. A couple home runs and four earned runs and four innings. Um, and then two starts before that, you had that brutal outing against Baltimore. I mean... These guys have been no good. Your best players have not been your best players, and their best players are sale and price. They're making the big bucks, and um, that's that's it. That's what it comes down to, and it was embarrassing, and now the Red Sox season is over, so we're going to have to watch this thing play out. You know, I'll keep an eye on it, obviously. You know, if they get hot, we'll see. You know, a little less than two months left in the regular season, but they're going to need some help, too. Because they got Tampa Bay and Oakland in front of them for that second wild card spot. And you you now you gotta look behind you. Right over your shoulder is Texas. Only one lo- one game in the loss column behind the Red Sox. And um I don't know. The Angels. You play you're gonna be playing the Angels. You know, they're right behind you too. So uh the Red Sox, this was embarrassing. I am not blaming Dombrowski. I'm, I'm not. I can't. I cannot blame Dombrowski. I don't know how you can. You could be maybe upset that he didn't add a piece at the deadline. That's fine. That's fine. But to look back at what's happened since the deadline on the field? I mean, if you're being realistic with yourself and being realistic with this Red Sox team and, you, and you're going to come out and blame Dave Dombrowski for what's happened, since the trade deadline last Wednesday. What's happened against Tampa Bay at the end of that series and then what's happened in the Bronx 
You're going to blame Dombrowski? Oh, man. You, I think you're clueless if you're blaming Dombrowski for that. And if you're like, oh, the, the team, he didn't send a good message to the team. Please, they're professional athletes. They are multi-million dollar professional athletes. They're adults. My advice to them would be get over it. It's not like he traded a piece from your team and, so, and became a seller. He didn't. So, oh, he didn't add somebody to the bullpen to middle relief? Get over it. Go out and play the game. Go out and get the job done. And what the Red Sox needed was David Price and Chris Sale to get the job done on Saturday and Sunday. And the bottom line is they could not do it. They could not do it, and it was embarrassing. And you call, you can call for robot umpires all you want. I'm going to sit here and call for Chris Sale to somehow find his swing and miss stuff in big spots, even after points in which the umpire screws him. Okay, you get screwed by the umpire. How many? Do you know how many times I could come on this show and go, ah, you know, the umpire, you know, he could have, he should have called that a strike three, and and it, and you know, and it, it affected, it affected the way he pitched. Well. You know, you just signed a big contract. It it's it's happened before. Pitches have not gotten calls before. I mean, we I could sit here so many times and talk about innings that a pitcher didn't get a call. You still have an opportunity. It's not like it's not like the non-strike calls walked in runs. I could see if it was bases loaded, ball down the middle, calls it ball. You know, he calls it a ball. It's really a strike, but he calls it a ball, and and a run gets scores because he walks in a run, and then it happens again. Like I could see that if he walks in two runs because the ump's calling balls, but he's calling balls. You still have opportunities to get outs, and then you're letting up home run balls, or you're letting up big hits. You're still the guy letting up the big hit, whether you got a call or not. You still let up the hit that ended up scoring a run, so. To walk off that mound and and start chirping the umpire that Chris Sale was a Saturday afternoon, and then after the game talking about you know there needs to be some accountability. Well, how about not pitching well when the team needs you the most? Where's the accountability there? <laughs> he even said it. He's like, you know, if I don't do my job for a long enough time, I'm gone. Well, it's like, well, you haven't been doing your job for, you know, you've had you had moments this year. But for the most part, the Red Sox rely on you to be a whole lot better than you've been. And the same thing goes for David Price. And the fact that those guys stunk up the joint during this crucial 14-game stretch when the Red Sox needed them most, they lose eight straight, they go 5-9 and nine in these 14 games, and their season is now over. And the guys that you can blame the most for that are Chris Sale and David Price. Not the umpires, not Dave Dombrowski, not even the manager. It's Chris Sale and David Price. They're being paid to be dominant. They're being asked to be dominant. And they were anything but. They weren't even close to dominant. They weren't even average. And that's a major problem. And as long as they look like they looked their last couple starts, the Red Sox are not going to go anywhere. Even if they show up next season and pitch like this, it's going to be the same thing. We're going to be doing the same thing in August. No postseason again. Why? Because your best pitches weren't your best pitches. That's it. That is it. So, if you're blaming Dombrowski today, I think you're clueless. If you're calling for robot umpires and you think that's the reason the Red Sox got swept in the Bronx, I think you're clueless. Clueless. How much are these guys getting paid? Well, they're not getting paid to pitch like that. That's for sure. That's for sure. And because of it, the Red Sox are out, and their season is over. It's over. Six and a half games out, it's over. It's over. Uh, They're going to have to get as hot as any team has ever been in the history of the league and also need some other teams ahead of them to have the biggest collapses in the history of the league. Multiple teams. They need Oakland and Tampa Bay to, to collapse like that. But I don't see any of that happening. So the Red Sox now... You know, I'm not going to get into what this team should do in the offseason because it's not the offseason yet. We'll get to that when we get to that. But as of right now, on this Monday, August 5th, I am sitting here declaring to you that the Red Sox season is over. And it is over because Chris Sale and David Price were not Chris Sale and David Price. That's it. That's it. That's it. So, um, we move on. And we get to the NFL. 
because now that the Red Sox season is over, well, we turn maybe most of our attention, if not all of it, to the New England Patriots, who I told you at the beginning were in Detroit this week. Uh, They're there right now, actually, as we speak, participating in a joint practice with the Lions. Their first preseason game against Detroit is going to be this Thursday night, August 8th at 7.30. Uh, But the big Patriots news is not that they're in Detroit and that they have a preseason game this week. It's that Tom Brady has a new contract. Tom Brady, yesterday, on Sunday, it was announced that Brady has signed a two-year, $70 million extension. Now, the $70 million is, eh, is it a $70 million or is it really a $62 million extension? He got a raise. We'll call it, he gets an $8 million raise this year. This year, for this season, Brady was scheduled to make $15 million. His salary gets bumped up to $23 million. Still highly underpaid at $23 million, but it is an $8 million raise for this year. Um, and then you look at next year, the extension will make him $30 million next year. And then the year after that, $32 million. So that's the $62 million. That's the two-year $62 million extension in reality that goes along with an $8 million raise for this year. Um, in the process, the Patriots will save $5.5 million in cap space this season, which gives them about $13 million in cap space. Now, they also made some other moves over the weekend. They signed wide receiver Cam Meredith after Meredith was cut by the Saints. And I mentioned Meredith last week, right after he was cut. Last Monday, I believe it was, during the show, he was cut. Uh, and I wondered if the Patriots would be interested in him. And obviously, they were to the point where they signed Cam Meredith. Cut by the Saints, signs with the Patriots, 26 years old. He, and he's dealt with an ACL injury that has... I think caused some swelling. I think it caused swelling last year. Um, the Patriots sign him and put him right on the preseason pup list. Now, he can be activated at any time. But he's on the preseason pup list. So he's got knee issues. And so we'll keep an eye on that. But they did sign him. And then speaking of wide receivers, Josh Gordon applies for reinstatement with the league. Again, I, I think I, I think that for us to sit here and even wonder what the league is going to do with any suspension right now in 2019, I have no idea. I have no clue. I really don't. I don't know what they'll do with this. I mean, if you if if I had to put money on it, I would say that they don't let Gordon play this year. Honestly, I, I would... If I put money on it, that's what I would say. Based on the fact that he really... You know, what has he proven? Right? I mean, what has he proven? We thought he was back last year, and then it came up again. You know, substance abuse. And it's like, if you're the league, you're like, how many chances are we giving this guy? How many times do we have to suspend him for this and then have to listen to him reinstate and, and hear the whole song and dance again and then and let him play again? Like, I just think that the, the league, if you made me put money on this, I would put money on the league not letting him play this season. I hope I'm wrong. From a Patriots perspective, I hope I'm wrong. But I just think that's the way it's going to play out. So you might need someone like Cam Meredith. But that, those are some moves um, the Patriots are made. We're looking at the 13 mil that the Patriots have with the 5.5 mil in cap space that they save with the Tom Brady extension. But as I told you in the intro, I asked the question, are they going to let us enjoy the Brady extension? Are they? It doesn't look like they're going to, right? It doesn't look like they're going to let us enjoy this one. And by enjoy, I mean not talking about it. <laughs> like, not mentioning the fact that, well, what's Brady going to do next year? You know, 30 mil and then 32 mil. Obviously now, it's not like team's going to franchise him. Um, you know, so you, you escape the franchise madness for next year. Franchise tag madness for next year. And obviously the team can just cut Brady whenever they want. You know, I'm already, I'm already seeing the, I'm already seeing the Brady signs a contract extension, but this contract extension doesn't mean he's a lock to finish his career with the Patriots. And it's like, why are you even saying that? <laughs> like, 
Like, can't it just be Brady agrees to an extension, still is underpaid, Patriots save five and a half mil, and we don't have to worry about the contract with the greatest quarterback of all time this season? Let's enjoy it. Why can't they let us enjoy anything with this guy and with this team? Why does it always have to be some type of drama hanging over everybody's head where it's like, well, yeah, they gave him a raise, but, but next year it could get a little, like, what are you talking about? Why are you even bringing that up? Obviously. They'll, they'll get back to the drawing board next year. Let's see how this goes. He's 42. I don't know. It's good that they gave him a raise. Right? It's good that Brady's under contract. What did we say last week? Said, oh, you know, we this will be the first time Brady maybe plays a regular season game with, you know, going into a contract, actually being a contract year with next year. Big question mark. You know, we wondered if it was the Patriots, if it was Brady, if they were maybe button heads over this. Well, they got a deal done. Isn't that a good thing? Like, isn't that what we kind of were asking for? And now that they got the deal, it's like, well, they got the deal, but it's like, stop. Let me enjoy the Tom Brady era because we know the window is small. I get it. They $30 million next year for a, for a guy who's going to be 43 but, but let's see how he plays out there. What if Tom Brady's the MVP this year? Are we ruling that out? What if Tom Brady leads the Patriots to the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl again? Oh, even if he leads them to the Super Bowl, let's say they lose in the Super Bowl. Let's say they get to the AFC Championship and lose in the AFC Championship and Tom Brady still throws 30 touchdown passes and is an MVP candidate. Are you going to say, oh, Patriots should pot ways at him? You think, you think the Patriots will pot ways at him? You think Tom Brady really leave and walk away? Like, no. So let's see how this thing plays out this year. You know, if Tom Brady sucks this year, and it's, it's it just sounds blasphemous saying that. But if Tom Brady sucks this year, then obviously we'll look at the thirty mil next year and say, well, the Patriots are not going to pay that. Um, it, it's just to me, it is just me. It, it, for us to sit here and now, all right, Brady gets the contract that we were all wondering if he was going to get the last couple of weeks, right? All right, Brady gets the contract, but now that he's going to now that he's got the contract that we all wanted to see him get. Well, now we're already going to go into what the Patriots' mindset's going to be next off season. No, stop, stop. Why do you got to do this? But I'm already hearing it. I'm already seeing reporters and columnists and big-name media members be like, well, this contract doesn't mean Brady's a lock to finish next with the Patriots. It's, it's, it's never a lock to finish with the Patriots. These things don't always end the way we want them to end. And I know the way we all want it to end is Brady. And the, when Brady's done, he retires as a Patriot. And he never played for another team. <laughs> That's what we all want. That's in a perfect world. It's not a perfect world. And uh, I've never ruled out the fact that at some point this thing actually could get ugly to the point where they, where Brady maybe does play for another team. I don't know when he's 44, 45 years old, if he really wants to stretch it that deep into his 40s. I, I, my mindset with Brady is like, I get it, there's a small window. I get it that it's not a perfect world and things don't always have fairy tale endings with certain players and organizations. Right? But while Brady is here and while he's still playing at a high level and now that he's got the contract extension that we all wondered why he didn't have it, I, let's, I'm living in the moment. Let's enjoy this moment. Let's embrace this. We do so little embracing of the Tom Brady era that when it's done, we're going to sit back and look and go, wow, all we did was wonder what was next instead of embracing what is now. And and so my mindset was Bra- with Brady is like, I'm embracing the now <laughs> because it's a, this, who knows? What if this is the last season? Well, we're gonna waste all we're gonna waste all season looking at next year and the future. No, give me right now. Let's see what the Patriots can do right now. And the right now is the 13 million they have in salary cap space. And people asking, well, what are they gonna do with that? 
I tell you what, I'd be shocked. I told you this last week. I'd be shocked if they traded for Trent Williams, the offensive tackle for Washington. Is he holding out and they're going to trade him? What's his cap hit? 10 mil, I think I saw. They're not going to do... You think they're going to do that? You think they're going to take... You know, the... They have Dante Skarnakia, who has coached up guys. I mean, they just coached up Trent Brown. They traded for Trent Brown. They coached him up. They they, they turned him into the highest paid, the highest paid offensive lineman in the league. Like, whatever money he got, he got crazy money. So much money that the Patriots are like, <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Have fun. Have fun. Um, we'll find someone else. And it's the next man up. You think the Patriots are going to trade for Trent Williams? Is it $10 million cap hit? I don't think that's going to happen. I'd be shocked if they did that. Shocked. Shocked. Now, unless you told me they did that and they were able to, to maneuver something and get that cap hit lower, all right, then maybe we're talking. But everything that I see is that Trent Williams is holding out because he wants to get paid. So it's like, I, I just... I just think that the Patriots look at that offensive tackle position. They know what they've done with it, especially with Dante Skarnacchia coaching them up. And I think they're confident with what they have. And I don't think they're going to want to go out and make a big trade for a guy at that position. Um, You know, it's one thing if it was somebody that, you know, was not a known commodity that they saw and, and, and said, wow, Nobody sees this in him, We, but we see it in him. It, it, I don't think that's the situation with Trent Williams, right? But he's a big name I don't at that position. I, I just don't see the Patriots doing it. I mean, you know what my obvious thought is with 13 mil they got? It's like, well, do you need to spend it right now? Or can you wait? And if you wait, well, who are you waiting for? Well, you know who you're waiting for. You're waiting for Rob Gronkowski. And... <laughs> I mean, it's a real thing, right? The Gronk situation, it's a real thing. And I don't know what he want. I don't know what he would want. I know there's a number that he wouldn't... There's got to be a number that Gronk wouldn't turn down. There's got to be. I played to the Rosenhouse audio again last week when Slane was in studio with me. And uh, you know how I feel about Gronk. I think he's coming back. I think he's going to come back. And under that mindset that I have with Gronk, I think that there's got to be a number that he wouldn't say no to. So, I don't know that you need to fill up this 13 mil right now. Right? Maybe there's a guy or two here or there you got to take care of, would it? That's already on the team. And I say take care of, I mean just, you know, make sure that they're under a contract. And who knows? Maybe when you do that, you free up even more space <laughs> with the, with an extension or two you give someone else. So, I'm always, as long as you got some money to spend, some money to, to, to stash and save as the season goes on, I'm going to keep looking at Gronk. Especially as long as you got guys like, all right, you bring in Cam Meredith, there's an unknown there with his health. You got Demarius Thomas, there's an unknown there with his health. You got Josh Gordon, there's an unknown there with his suspension. Uh, Edelman's hurt right now. He's got a dumb injury. You don't have Chris Hogan. Um, I don't know what what the rookie's going to be, what Harry's going to be. I, I, I don't know. Am I missing someone? Well, yeah, you don't have Gronk. <laughs> missing Gronk. Uh... I don't care who they brought in at the tight end position. You're not replacing Gronk. You got major holes offensively. And as long as you got those major holes, then guess what? Gronkowski is still in play. Because I just think there's a number that that he won't refuse. I don't know what that number is. I don't know if the Patriots even have, have it to give it to him. Or if they even want to give it to him right now. But I will have my eye on Gronk as this season moves forward. If they still have money to spend. And right now they get some money to spend. So, uh, you know, the big news though is that Brady signs the extension. We wanted him to sign the extension. Now that he's under the extension, he gets a raise for this season. 
and it helps the Patriots with their cap space. It might even help them get a receiver. It might even help them bring back Gronk at some point during the season. These are all good things. I'm not going to sit here and start looking ahead to, well, maybe it could be, what's it mean for Brady next offseason? I don't know. We'll When we get there, we'll figure that out. But what I've come to realize with Brady and the contract next season or the next extension that he's got to have is that it usually works out as long as Brady's still playing at a high level. So let's just see how this thing goes. Let's see how it goes. But um, that's the latest news. I think it's great news that Brady signs the extension. Anyone looking ahead to next year? I, I, I think they're trying to... They're trying to get some clicks, some hits, some some ratings. They want that controversy. They want that. They want you to start thinking that uh, Belichick's got a plan for next year. Uh, Brady might be still a little upset next offseason. Oh, give me a break. Give it up. Let us, let us enjoy this, please. Let us enjoy this. Well, something I enjoyed over the weekend, and Patriots fans, you'll love this. The Pro Football Hall of Fame ceremony, the enshrinement ceremony in Canton, Ohio, was Saturday night. Uh, Patriots fans obviously love the fact that Ty Law enshrined, inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, he had a nice little audio bite himself where he's like, this dynasty, we started this shit. Yeah, he's looking around at Rodney Harrison, uh, Richard Seymour, some of the other boys that were there. You know, Patriots did the whole field trip. To, to the Hall of Fame, Brady puts out the social media post holding his draft card that says when he was drafted, you know, that bulletin board material that he's that he's had in his in his locker since, you know, the, that that day that everybody overlooked him for for almost a, a whole six rounds. Um, you know, so a great Patriots, some great Patriots moments this weekend in Canton. From the team's field trip to uh, Ty Law getting in, inducted. But little did we know that the best Patriots moment would come from Ed Reed. <laughs> Ed Reed. Now, we know how much Belichick loves Ed Reed. You know even how much Tom Brady respects Ed Reed. There's that clip from, uh, was it HBO Films or something? And what 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 was that? Was that the the... The life of Belichick or something, I don't even... Foot, a football life with Belichick, is that what that was? Where they had the camera of Belichick and Brady prepping for a game, and they're talking about Ed Reed, and they are just... Oh, Ed Reed. Oh. I mean, they are just jerking off to Ed Reed in there, right? Aren't they? They love Ed Reed. They respect him. And then you see the pictures of Brady. He's got the... You know, Brady's got the playbook on his arm and he's got, you know, the, the he's got the Ed, the Ed Reed thing on there where it says, always look for number, what is Ed Reed, number 20? Is that what it says? Like, always look for 20? First thing to do, look for 20, uh, whatever Ed Reed's number is. I mean, we've seen the Patriots praise Ed Reed. We know the way they respect him. I think Ed Reed loves that. You know how I know, you know how I, I not just think, but I know Ed Reed loves that? is because Ed Reed had a little slip of the tongue during his Hall of Fame speech. Now, I assume he's got names written out. He's looking down, he's reading off something. People he needs to thank. And I'm sure Belichick is on that list. And you could say, well, he's thanking Belichick because Belichick, he raised the bar. You know, the competition against Belichick for so many years, you know, it was a great competition. He raised the bar, you know, great players, are at their best when they're playing against other great players and other great coaches. He raised the bar. Thank you, Bill Belichick. Okay, that's fine. I get that. But to thank Belichick, before you thank your own coach with Baltimore, to thank Belichick right after you thank the Ravens owner, is that a slip of the tongue? Is that, well, this is how I really feel, and, like, did he... I don't know. I don't know what happened here. I'll let you be the judge. Here's Ed Reed. <laughs> I don't have the video for you, but if you go search this audio clip on Twitter, you can find the video. I actually post it on my Twitter account, at Danny Picard. But the look on the faces of the Ravens, Ravens owner and even Harbaugh 
Oh, man. It's just beautiful. And even people in the background, they're going, wait, did he just thank Belichick before Haba? <laughs> it's, it's so good. Here's Ed Reed on Saturday night thanking Belichick before Haba. This is beautiful. No place like Baltimore, baby. I'd like to thank that organization, Steve Bashadi, Ozzy Newsom, Coach Belichick, his staff, <laughs> Coach Harbs, his staff. It's too many people to mention. I know I'm going to miss some people, man, but I love all y'all guys, man. Thank you for your support over the years. Even now. Like, what? I'm going to stop it there because I, I, I don't know. I actually don't know. Like, I think he messed up. Like, I think he just, his eyes came up and then his eyes went back down on the paper. And his eyes skipped, like, a whole section. And he just saw Belichick. And I don't. And he just read what was on the paper. You know, he had a little Ron Burgundy moment. Like, I'll read whatever's on the teleprompter. Whatever I see, I'll read it. And he just looked back down at the paper. And he skipped the whole paragraph. And he just saw Belichick. He saw Coach. And he said Coach. And the next name he read was Belichick. And then he caught himself and immediately went, you know, Coach Hobbs. Um, uh, let, let's, uh, let's hear it again. Here it is again from the beginning. No place like Baltimore, baby. I'd like to thank that organization, Steve Bashadi, Ozzie Newsom, Coach Belichick, his staff, Coach Harbs, his staff. <laughs> too many people to mention. Oh, sorry. Too many people to mention. I think he caught himself maybe right there, but the look on Harbaugh's face is so good. He, like, looks at someone and goes, what? Like, the look in his face, he turns, he turns his head, looks at someone, whoever he's sitting next to, and the look on his face, the, the smirk that he makes is like a, what did he just say? Is he serious right now? It's so good. And I watch it still and I'm like, wow. It's just, the, that's the Belichick brainwash. Right? That's what that is. That's, Belichick is, is the, is the standard of coaching. You know, he's a defensive guy. He's praised Ed Reed all these years. And I think Ed Reed loves that. And Belichick was on his list. Right? I think he slipped up there. But I I think that it does go to show you just how special a coach Belichick is when a, a, a defensive player like this has you even close on that list. Obviously, Belichick was on that list of whatever he was reading off of at close to the top. (laughs) <laughs> where you would slip up like that. I mean, that's great. That is beautiful. If I'm a Ravens fan, that would piss me off. Right? That would piss me off. I mean, think about it. Think about how bad of a slip that was. That's a rival coach that you are thanking. Right at the beginning of thanking. You're going into Baltimore. Oh, Baltimore's great. Everyone in the organization. Coach Belichick. <laughs> uh, I mean, coach and coach Harbaugh. It's like, what did you just, what? What's going on right now? Ah, uh, it's beautiful. That was great. I could listen to that all day. I really could. But uh, Ed Reed, congratulations. And then from a Patriots standpoint, Ty Law, congratulations on getting into the hall officially. And then I'll close it out here with a couple quick NBA thoughts. We did have a big contract signing over the weekend. Draymond Green Signs a four-year, $100 million extension with the Warriors. That begins next season. Not this season, the season after. He's already in a contract. So he's going into a contract here. It's a great deal for Golden State. Right? Great deal for Golden State. Because you're looking around the league and you're like, oh my God, guys go out and they get max contracts. Would Draymond Green get a $35 million a year contract? I'd say he probably would. I'd say he would. Now, I'd, I'd tell you he's, he'd be overpaid. If he did, but I mean, I'm telling you, Kemba Walker's overpaid. Like, what has Kemba Walker ever won? Draymond Green has been, has had an impact, a major impact on the the best dynasty in the NBA in a long time. Would he go out and be able to get over 30 million a year? Yeah, but you know what? He stays in Golden State for, for 25 million a year. It's a great deal for Golden State. I think it's a great look for Draymond Green, too. Because he's obviously taken a, a a a pay cut to stay 
with this team. And um, look, I I know some people might look hear me say that and go, Draymond Green's not worth the a max. Draymond Green's not worth the thirty five million a year and all these big deals that these guys are getting. Well, yeah, I might agree with you on that, but that doesn't mean somebody wouldn't give it to him the way money's flying around in the NBA. And knowing that someone would give that to you and you still decide to take $10 million less a year to stay with a, a team that you believe in. And, I mean, I respect Draymond Green even more for this. I, not that I would not that I would crush him if he went out and got the money after this coming season. I wouldn't because my mindset is go get the money. If you can get it, go get it. Go get the money. But, um, you know, I guess he gets a couple points with me here. Sticking around, Golden State. Because I, I think people are forgetting about Golden State. They're forgetting about him. And I, I, I'm still not ruling Golden State out of anything. I'm not. Especially with Draymond Green now sticking around. Well, outside of Golden State, you look around the league, we've had some schedule stuff trickle out in the NBA over the weekend. And we know that the Lakers and Clippers are going to play on Christmas. I think we all assume that. I think we all knew that. Where are the Celtics on Christmas? Toronto. They're in Toronto, I think. I think Celtics are in Toronto. Well, that's not the one we're looking at. The one we're looking at is the day before Thanksgiving, November 27th, Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets come to the TD Garden. Kyrie Irving comes to Boston for the first time in a new uniform since, you know, signing with Brooklyn and we've all crushed them. And I know that the the initial reaction to this is, okay, good, we get to show up at the Garden the day before Thanksgiving and boo the hell out of Kyrie Irving. And I think about that, and that would be a a pleasant visual and audio soundbite to hear, and, and a pleasant visual, as I said, to see at the Garden. Everybody's standing and booing Kyrie Irving. Right? Okay, fine. But you want to make it more awkward? Here's how I think you'd make it more awkward. Give him a standing ovation. He's not going to expect that. He's not going to expect it. He won't know how to handle that. He's a weird dude anyways. So it's... He's the type of guy that I think if you boo him, I think he'll smile, laugh, and wave back at you. Like, I could see him doing that. He's going to expect it. He's going to be prepared for it. I mean, he starred in his own movie as an elderly basketball player. I mean, I think he he knows he's going to think about what he's going to do. He's an actor, basically. He's the type of guy that's going to stand there, he's going to smile, and he's going to wave to a raucous crowd that is booing the shit out of him. You want to make it a little awkward? Give him a standing ovation. Give him a raucous ovation, but the opposite that you want to give him. Yeah, you really deep down inside want to boom, and deep down inside I really want to see him booed out of the building. But there's part of me that wants everybody in that building that day, that night, to to give Kyrie a taste of what he could have had. As in... Here's a standing ovation. This is what you could have had. This is what you could have had the rest of your career. This building right here, standing up, adoring you. This is what you could have had. Give Kyrie a taste of what he could have had. I know this is not going to be a popular opinion as to what the fans should do. And you can do whatever the fuck you want because you're paying for the ticket, right? I don't care. I don't care. Much like I say about the Red Sox, I know people are crying for the Red Sox to get rid of Sweet Caroline or or at least maybe only play it when the Red Sox are winning. You know, the beef I have with that is it's just it's part of the ballpark now. It's part of the experience for people that are not there every night. And there are a lot of people that don't get they don't they don't get to make it in a Fenway all the time. I mean, it's an expensive place to go. It's an expensive night. And if they're gonna pay the money and they want the full experience, well, whether you like it or not, the full experience does include Sweet Caroline, whether they win or losing. So what, you're paying money for the family to go to Fenway, you want the full experience, you only get to do it once a year, maybe once every three years, 
oh, and you get a game in which the Red Sox are losing, so you don't get to experience the, the full experience? Eh, I don't know. It's just something wrong about that. So, you pay the money, you should get the full experience. Pay the money, do whatever you want to do. You want to sing Sweet Caroline? Why are you losing? Go ahead. You want to boo Kyrie Irving? Go ahead. You want to cheer him? Go ahead. I guess my advice would be, cheer him. Give him the standing off. You don't have to mean it. It could be sarcastic. Give him a sarcastic standing ovation. As in, as if to say, hey Kyrie, this building is rocking for you right now, but this is the last time it's going to be rocking for you, and you have to go to bed tonight thinking about this. Thinking about how you could have had this for the rest of your career. Have fun in Brooklyn. He won't even know how to handle that. I think it'll be awkward for him. Sarcastic standing up. He'll be prepared for the booze. Not the cheers. Just something to think about. Just something to think about. But uh, anything else that happens on the NBA front with the offseason, I will react to it. I have a feeling, though, the NBA news is going to quiet down until we get to the season, and we are going to get right into football. Uh, Again, a month away from the regular season. So whatever Patriots news breaks here the next couple weeks, I'll obviously react to it. I'll be back on Thursday. Again, we'll have Justin Barrasso in studio previewing WWE SummerSlam. And then uh, maybe next week, next Monday, get back to talking baseball, football, whatever else is in the world of sports. Get this show whenever you want at Podcast One. Also on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. I am out. Talk to you on Thursday.